Well, Shabbat Shalom, brothers and sisters. Glad to see everyone back for another edition of God Honest Truth live stream. We are God Honest Truth, and you can find out more about us at GodHonestTruth.com. There you can find all of our social media profiles, all the links to our various video platforms and audio podcast platforms. And you can also contact us as well. You can do that through one of our social media profiles or directly through email at team at GodHonestTruth.com. Now tonight is going to be a drosh all about Halloween. So definitely stay tuned for that, where it came from, some of the history, how it relates to us and scripture. So you definitely don't want to miss that. But before we get into that, we're going to be doing our Torah portion, our Haf Torah portion, and our Brit Hadashah portion, as well as our liturgy. So with that being said, let's go ahead and dive right into that liturgy. Bold Balevav Panima Nefesh Yehudi Omiyam Ufateh Misrak Kadima Ayin Lazion Zofiyam Oloavda Tikvatenu The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be his name, whose glorious kingdom is for eternity. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And have these words which I command you this day be upon your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children, and speak of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall bind them for a sign upon your hand, and let them be frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorpost of your house, and upon your gates. So in the way of announcements this week, just want to remind everyone that we do have the new subreddit up. And we'd like to invite everyone to come on over and join us, and join in the discussion and the fellowship. And that's at Messianics subreddit, and that's with the S on the end, Messianics. So you can just do a search for it on Reddit, or you can follow the link on our website. Now, like always, hope, well, here is the list of upcoming episodes for about the next two months or so. 
Like I said, tonight is going to be all about Halloween. So definitely stay tuned for that, Josh, coming up here in just a few moments. Next week, we will not be having a Josh, but we will be having the readings from the Torah portion, Half Torah portion, and Brit Hadashah portion, as well as the liturgy. But next week will be pre-recorded, and there will not be any Josh next week. However, two weeks from now, we're going to be getting back on course with our scriptural dossiers, starting with Joshua. So tune in that night and also every other night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for each of those droshes. And again, like always, here is your list of Moadim for the next upcoming year. And of course, our next Moadim is going to be Hanukkah. Now, technically, it's not really a Moadim as prescribed in Scripture, but still a lot of people, including our family, do celebrate Hanukkah. So here's the date for that so you can be ready. And like always, we'll be having a drosh about two weeks or so before the Moedim occurs. So about two weeks before Hanukkah, we will be doing a drosh on Hanukkah so that you can learn more about it, learn how to celebrate it, the history of it, all that good stuff. So definitely stay tuned for that drosh as well. And if you have any prayer requests or announcements that you would like to have announced live on air, make sure to have those in to us by Thursday evening at the latest because we do go live on Friday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And of course, the best way to get those prayer requests and announcements to us are through our email at team at godhonesttruth.com. And if you would like to be prayed for but not have it announced on air, live on the live stream, we can do that as well. Just simply let us know that you would like to keep that private and not announced, and we'll add you to our prayer list here at God Honest Truth and pray for you and whatever need that you may have. So, with all that being said, let's get back to our liturgy. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, who has given us the way of salvation in Messiah Yeshua. He walked among us filled with your spirit. The only one who ever perfectly fulfilled your Torah. He healed the sick and raised the dead. The multitudes of our people sought his touch. He taught as no man taught. With authority he brought forth the treasures of the Torah. How the children sought him. The lepers he touched and made clean. How the despised and outcast found love and release from their sin. How the hypocrites feared him whose words uncovered their sin, despised and rejected, acquainted with grief, he bore the sins of Israel. All we like sheep have gone astray, turned every one to his own way. Our iniquities were laid upon the king, the sins of the world his burden to bear. He rose from the dead and opened the way to life everlasting. Praise his name. We are in him. His spirit empowers. New life is ours with joy and peace. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, who has given us Messiah our King. For the sake of our Master Yeshua, in His merit and virtues, may the sayings of my mouth and a meditation of my heart be favorable before you, O Lord, my Rock and my Redeemer. Amen. Avinu Shabashamayim Yikhadesh Shemcha Tavo Mehutecha Yasa Ratonecha.
ba'aretz ka'asher na'asa v'ashemayim. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let thy kingdom come, let thy will be done, as on earth, so as in heaven. Ten lanu hayom, lechem huchenu. Usalach lanu, erashmatenu ka'asher. Sulechim anachnu, la'asher ashmulanu. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Ve'al tevi'inu lide masa, ki'im hatzilenu min hara. Ki laha, hamam laha, v'hagavura, v'hatifaret, olamim. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. None can compare to you, O Lord, and nothing compares to your creation. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your mercy endures throughout all generations. The Lord is king. The Lord was king. The Lord shall be king throughout all time. May the Lord grant his people mercy. May the Lord bless his people with peace. Proclaim the Lord's greatness with me. Let us exalt him together. And it came to pass, whenever the ark went forth, Moses would say, Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. May those who hate you flee from before you. For from Zion shall go forth the Torah, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Blessed be he who in holiness gave the Torah to his people Israel. All right, and tonight's Torah portion is going to be Exodus chapter 12, verse 29 through verse 51. And like always, we'll give you just a moment to find that in your preferred translation at home if you'd like to read along with us. Exodus chapter 12, verse 29. And it came to be at midnight that Yahweh struck all the firstborn in the land of Mitzrayim, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Mitzrites. And there was a great cry in Mitzrayim, for there was not a house where there was not a dead one. Then he called for Moshe and Aaron by night, and said, Arise, go out from the midst of my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go, serve Yahweh as you have said. Take both your flocks and your herds as you have said, and go. Then you shall bless me too. And the Mitzrites were strong on the people, to hasten to send them away out of the land. For they said, We are all dying. And the people took their dough before it was leavened, having their kneading bowls bound up in their garments on their shoulders. And the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moshe, and they had asked from the Mitzrites objects of silver and objects of gold and garments. 
And Yahweh gave the people favor in the eyes of the Mitzrites, so that they gave them what they asked, and they plundered the Mitzrites. And the children of Israel set out from Ramses to Sukkot, about six hundred thousand men on foot, besides the little ones. And a mixed multitude went up with them too, also flocks and herds, very much livestock. And they bake, baked unleavened cakes of the dough which they had brought out of Mitzrayim, for it was not leavened, since they were driven out of Mitzrayim and had not been able to delay, nor had they prepared food for themselves. And the sojourn of the children of Israel, who lived in Mitzrayim, was four hundred and thirty years. And it came to be at the end of the four hundred and thirty years, on that same day, it came to be that all the divisions of Yahweh went out from the land of Mitzrayim. It is a night of watches unto Yahweh for bringing them out of the land of Mitzrayim. This is that night of watches unto Yahweh for all the children of Israel throughout their generations. And Yahweh said to Moshe and Aaron, This is the law of the Pesach. No son of a stranger is to eat of it, but any servant a man has bought for silver when you have circumcised him, then let him eat of it. A sojourner and a hired servant does not eat of it. It is eaten in one house. You are not to take any of the flesh outside the house, nor are you to break any bone of it. All the congregation of Israel are to perform it. And when a stranger sojourns with you and shall perform the Pesach to Yahweh, let all his males be circumcised, and then let him come near and perform it. And he shall be as a native of the land. But let no one, but let no uncircumcised eat of it. There is one Torah for the native-born and for the stranger who sojourns among you. And the children of Israel did as Yahweh commanded Moshe and Aaron, so they did. And it came to be on that same day that Yahweh brought the children of Israel out of the land of Mitzrayim according to their divisions. Barukatah Yahweh Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Natan Lanu Torah Temet Bechaye Olam Betukenu Barukatah Yahweh Noten Ha Torah Amen. This is the Torah which Moses placed before the children of Israel. It is in accord with the Lord's command by the hand of Moses. It is a tree of life to those who take hold of it, and those who support it are praiseworthy. Its ways are ways of pleasantness, and all its paths are peace. Bring us back, Lord, to you, and we shall come. Renew our days as of old. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, 
who has chosen faithful prophets to speak words of truth. Amen. And tonight's Haftorah portion is going to be Isaiah 21, verses 11 through chapter 22, verse 4. And we'll give you just a moment to find that in your preferred translation at home. Isaiah chapter 21, verse 11. The message concerning Duma, he calls to me out of Seir, Watchman, how much of the night is past? Watchman, how much of the night has passed? The watchman said, Morning came and also the night. If you inquire, inquire, come again. The message concerning Arabia, in the forest in Arabia you stay, O you traveling companies of Dedanites, you who dwell in the land of Tema, Bring water to him who is thirsty. Meet the fugitive with bread. For they fled from the swords, from the drawn sword, from the bent bow, and from the stress of battle. For thus said Yahweh, for thus Yahweh has said to me, Within a year, according to the year of a hired man, all the esteem of Kedar shall come to an end, and the rest of the number of archers, the mighty men of the people of Kedar, shall be few. For Yahweh Elohim of Israel has spoken. The message concerning the valley of vision. What troubles you now that you have all gone up to the housetops? You who are filled with turmoils, a noisy city, a city of revelry. Your slain are not slain with the sword, nor the dead in battle. All your rulers have fled together. Without a bow, they were taken captive. All who are found in you are bound together, who have fled from afar. Therefore I said, Look away from me. Let me weep bitterly. Do not try to comfort me because of the ravaging of the daughter of my people. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has given us the living word in Messiah Yeshua. Blessed are you, O Lord, giver of the renewed covenant. Amen. And tonight's Brit Hadashah portion is going to be 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. And one more time, we'll give you just a moment to find that in your preferred translation at home. First Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 13 <clears throat> Now brothers we do not wish you to be ignorant concerning those who have fallen asleep lest you be sad as others who have no expectation for if we believe that Yeshua died and rose again so also Elohim shall bring with him those who sleep in Yeshua 
For this we say to you by the word of the Master, that we, the living, who are left over at the coming of the Master, shall in no way go before those who are asleep. Because the Master himself shall come down from the heaven with a shout, with the voice of a chief messenger, and with the trumpet of Elohim, and the dead in Messiah shall rise first. Then we, the living, who are left over, shall be caught away together with them in the clouds to meet the Master in the air. And so we shall always be with the Master. So then, encourage one another with these words. Baruch Yahweh, Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Natan Lanu HaDevar HaEmet, Bechaye Olam Betukenu, Baruch Yahweh, Noten HaBrit HaDashah. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who gave to us the word of truth and planted life everlasting in our midst. Blessed are you, O Lord, giver of the renewed covenant. Amen. All right, so in just a moment, we'll be getting to tonight's drosh. I know everyone's been waiting for that. Hopefully you've got your notepad out so you can take your notes. But we're going to take just a short break to check on our streams. And for those of you who don't know, just want to remind everyone that we are streaming to multiple platforms all at once. Every Friday evening, we stream to YouTube, Twitch, and Odyssey now. So if you'd like to go check us out on all those, we would greatly appreciate it. Make sure to subscribe. And also, while you're at it, go down below, leave us a comment, and any comment will be great. Even just say hi, shalom, whatnot. Or give us your opinion or what you know about Halloween, the subject of tonight's drosh. And before you get done down there, make sure to hit that bell icon so that you're notified every time we go live or upload an on-demand video. And also hit that share button and share it around with your friends, family, colleagues, whoever. If you're watching this right now, you definitely know someone in your circle who would enjoy this type of content. So definitely share it around and let others know about the God Honest Truth ministry. And as everyone knows, word of mouth is the best advertising that anyone could ever receive. And every time you tell anyone about God Honest Truth Ministries, we appreciate it so, so much. It means so much to us. So definitely hit that share button and share it around with everyone that you feel would benefit from this kind of teaching or ministry. Now, tonight's drosh is all about Halloween, and tonight's drosh has also been pre-recorded. So it's going to make it a little easier for us on this end, but just wanted to bring that up. Shouldn't be any kind of difference from what you're normally used to on God Honest Truth live stream. But tonight's drosh is pre-recorded, just to let you know that. So with that being said, let's go ahead and get into tonight's drosh all about Halloween. So, like you know, tonight's drosh is going to be on the subject of Halloween, the holiday of Halloween as we know it today. Over the years, it's been called different things, and we'll get into the history of that in just a moment. Speaking of history, where in the world did this whole tradition of Halloween come from anyways? Do you know? I mean, it's very interesting once you get into it, but what do you know about Halloween? Well, if you don't know much, this is a place for you. 
because we're going to go through that in just a moment and really get some education into you. Also going to get a lot of scripture into you as well. So not just history. But if you're like me and you like education, you like history, you're going to like this too. As always, if you have a notebook, please go ahead and get that out so you can take your notes down. And if you happen to miss anything, check back on our website tomorrow for the posting. And the post we put up by tomorrow morning anyways, is going to be on this drosh. It's going to have this video posted up there so you can rewatch it again. It's also going to have these particular drosh slides on there that you can go through at your own pace in case you missed anything. You can go through it as you want your own speed, take all the notes. If you missed anything, you can go on a specific slide and just hold there for a moment and get all the notes you need to take. But as far as Halloween goes, where in the world did Halloween actually even come from? Well, Halloween as we know it anyways, originally came from the Celts, right? Back in Ireland. And Celts really went all over Europe as we know it today. And they kind of spread out and they were tribal people. And they, of course, were not Christian at that point, not until the spread of Christianity up from the South. So they were pagan and they had different things. But one particular one was called Samhain. Right, and Halloween is said to originate with this festival of Samhain from the Celts, and it's said to go back some two thousand years ago or so, or as far as I've been able to find out in my research, anyways. So we'll see in a minute. There are other festivals very similar that go back a little bit before this, and Samhain or the Celtic tradition that we know today as Halloween probably went back a little bit more than two thousand years. Once you get in looking at it but like i said it started with a festival called Samhain and uh don't really speak celt that much but i think it's pretty much how it's usually pronounced not as it's spelled in our modern day english because you probably think it's Samhain, but in ancient celtics would be more like Samhain, right now according to the celts the new year for the Celts started on November 1st. Different places around the world had different calendars, and for the Celts, the new year started on November 1st. Now, of course, October 31st was also ending up the harvest time. So this would be the end of the harvest season, and then on November 1st, the Celts would have their beginning of the year. And with the Celts and the Celtic pagans there, they kind of associated the winter or the upcoming winter with things like darkness and coldness and also human death. And this is going to be particularly relevant for our study tonight as well, the death part. And just for your um, perusal here, I guess, or for your reference, this is kind of like where the Celts kind of spread out to and all the areas they occupied. There wasn't no really grand Celtic nation or Celtic empire but they were spread out all over the place. And eventually the Romans would come in and start taking over that territory all the way up through um, England and Britain there. But on October 31st, or the end of the Celtic year, the Celts believed that the barrier between the living and the dead kind of evaporated or went away, or at least was diminished enough so that the spirits, both good and bad, could come into the living world where we are now. So on the evening of October 31st, the spirits would walk among us and be among us. 
And then the Celts believed that when they dressed up like these same spirits, that they would kind of mingle in and they wouldn't be noticed by the spirits because some of the spirits are evil, right? And they would do harm to them. But these evil spirits didn't know who was spirit and which, who was actually still living. Then they wouldn't be able to differentiate who they were going to hurt. So the Celts would dress up like the spirits in order to mingle in and not be noticed. Now, with pretty much most, if not all, religions, especially even the pagan religions, there are leaders and priests and stuff like that. Well, the Celts, in their pagan religion, they had people called Druids. These were the Celtic priests of the time. And during the festival of Samhain, these Druids would actually build large bonfires. And even today on Halloween, you still see people building large bonfires in celebration of Halloween. This dates back to the priests of the Celtic paganism, the Druids. But not only did they build them, I mean, nowadays you see a lot of frat boys building Halloween bonfires just go around and get drunk on. But the Druids, when they built these bonfires, they actually considered them to be something as sacred. But not only did they just build these bonfires out of you know, sacred reverence, but they would also sacrifice various things like crops and animals as well. Now, there is also some research to indicate that they would, in addition to this, also sacrifice human beings, both infants and older ones. Now, the Druids would actually take uh, cats, put them in wicker cages so they couldn't get away, and they would toss these cats in these wicker cages into the fires sacrificing the cats for the purpose of divination, right? Now, like I said, this is as horrible as it is to think about people throwing and sacrificing live cats into a bonfire. It's even more atrocious to think that it would actually kill people. And we see in scripture that, you know, back in especially the Old Testament times, that they would sacrifice their children to Moloch, right? You hear that. And Yahweh says, don't do that. Well, something very similar happened also with these Druids in this Celtic Samhain, which we now know as Halloween. And reference here is from the Halloween from Pagan Ritual to Party Night by Nicholas Rogers. And he states that firstborn sacrifices are mentioned in a poem in the Dixignabas, I pronounce that, which records that children were sacrificed each Sawim to the idol Krom Kruahik, their lord of the mound. So they would actually take live human infants or firstborn and sacrifice them on these fires. Now, not only would they take these children, they would actually take adults as well. And a lot of the research I come across this would be a particular time to get rid of their convicts or their criminals that had committed crimes. They would use them in their human sacrifices, but not always. If they didn't have enough criminals or if they didn't have any criminals, they would take regular innocent people and they would burn them on the fires. And another way that they would actually do this with the human beings is they would actually build this wicker man, put all these human sacrifices inside this wicker man like they did the cats in the baskets and then burn this human man, this wicker man, therefore sacrificing all the humans inside there. So it was really just a demonic, satanic kind of thing they were doing here. 
But this Day of the Dead that the Celts and the Druids were celebrating here every year were not the only culture to do so. Lots of cultures around the world have a some kind of celebration of the Day of the Dead. You find it in Japan, you find it in India, you find it in the Philippines, you find it in Mexico, coming down from Mayans. And a lot of these come from the Celtic tradition of Samhain, though, when you really get into looking at it. And all of these are really around this October 31st time of year also. However, let's go ahead and look now into the Romans. Now, as we go through tonight's teaching, keep some of these dates in mind, especially October 31st. We already know that. But also keep in mind uh, November 1st, which the Celts regarded as the beginning of the new year as well. All this is going to come and play a little bit later on also. So now moving on in history, let's take a look at the Romans real quick. Now, like I said, different cultures around the world, a lot if not all, have a particular day or a celebration or festival for the dead. Rome was no different. Rome actually had a festival called Lumeria, right? Or Lumuria. Now, if you start looking into this, you just type in Lumeria, you'll get all kinds of false readings because there's some kind of conspiracy thing out there about a continent that sunk under the ocean. Don't do that. Do like Festival of Lumeria, right? Roman Festival of Lumeria. Now, this festival was a festival for the dead as well. And it was celebrated on the 9th, the 11th, and the 13th of May, though. It wasn't in the fall. But they still had a day for the dead. Or a festival for the dead. And this was back in May as far as the Romans go. Now remember this date, too, the 13th of May. This will come into play here in just a moment. Now Romans performed actual rites to exorcise malevolent and fearful ghosts of the dead from their homes. And one of the customs that they would kind of do during this festival is that particularly the husband or the head of the family would get up about midnight and take black beans, walk around the house throwing black beans over his shoulder, right? And this was one of the traditions they had with Lumeria for their Day of the Dead. Or one of their Day of the Deads, rather. Now, by 43 CE... Rome had pretty much conquered all the territory that we just saw earlier that was originally held by the Celts. And as Rome combined with these other nations that they conquered, they would kind of envelop or fold in some of their traditions, especially their pagan traditions and holidays, into their own. And one of the things they did was they took Samhain that we're discussing tonight, and they combined it with two of their other festivals around this time of year. And it was called Feralia, which is occurring somewhere around late October, which commemorates the passing of the dead, not necessarily just the dead walking around in your house and throwing beans at them. But they also celebrated a festival to Pomona, whose symbol is the apple, and this is believed to be where we get the tradition of bobbing for apples. And these are the particular festivals for the dead as far as Roman culture goes. Now, we know a lot of Roman paganism was a combining and an integrating of various cultures' paganism into itself. We know that the Romans idolized the Greeks, and most of the Roman gods are pretty much just the Greek gods with different names. They had the same roles, they did the same things, they had the same stories. 
But they, when Rome conquered a territory, they would just take in whatever practices and customs were around them if they liked them, and it just kind of developed or folded into what they already had and made it into one big, gigantic, pagan kind of religion going on. But as we know, the Empire of Rome really didn't last forever. At a certain point, Rome or the Empire of Rome kind of faded out, and then up comes Catholicism. Now, Catholicism did a lot of the same things. They would fold in some pagan customs and pagan, ho pagan holidays in order to win in new converts. And this is called the practice of syncret syncretism, right? We'll get into that in just a little bit more in just a minute. But in about 609... Pope Boniface establishes the 13th of May, remember that date, and he establishes it as All Martyrs Day. Now, you already had the festival in Roman times of Lumeria, right? Celebrated on the 13th of May. But Pope Boniface was attempted to take that one, put a Christian spin on it, slap a Jesus sticker on it, and say it's now Christian. Trying to do away with the paganism, but still keeping it in some sort as a day for the dead. But it was for all the martyrs, or all the saints. Then later, Pope Gregory III actually moved this day, All Saints Day or All Martyrs Day, to November 1st. And included saints as well as martyrs in the remembrance. And this is what we come to know today as All Saints Day. But originally this day was back on May 13th. It was Pope Gregory that moved it down to November 1st. Then in 1000 CE, the church, or Roman Catholicism, established November 2nd as All Souls Day. So now not only do you have All Saints Day, which includes all the saints and all the martyrs, people who are given sainthood by the church, people who had given their life in defense or because of the faith, but now you have All Souls Day, which is every believer that has died, right? Even if they don't have sainthood or martyrdom on their name. And All Souls Day was celebrated similarly to Samhain. They had bonfires, they had parades, they were dressed up as various things like saints and angels and devils as well. But all the same, it was still going back to a celebration of the dead. Then All Saints Day was also referred to as All Hallows Day or All Hallowmas, right? All Hallowmas, kind of getting into different levels here. It's getting thick. And the night before was referred to as All Hallows Eve, the evening before All Hallows Day, right? All Hallows Eve was the same night that Samhain was. And this is actually where we get the word Halloween. All Hallows Eve came down to us through evolution of language and the evolution of the word to be Halloween that we know today. And also, during this Catholic holiday, or whatever you want to call it, we get some part of what we know today as trick-or-treating. Trick-or-treating is, is partly associated with the Catholic practice of souling back in medieval times. And this is where poor people, especially poor children, would go door to door begging for what they call soul cakes. 
And what they would do is they would ask for a soul cake and they would tell the person at the house, hey, if you give me something sweet like a soul cake, I will pray for your dead loved ones. And according to Catholic tradition, dead loved ones are in purgatory until you pray for them enough and they get them out of purgatory. So if you give someone a soul cake and they pray for your dead loved one, that's more prayers for your dead loved one and hopefully get out of purgatory quicker. Or you could just give lots of money to the church and pay them off and get your loved one out of purgatory. Right? But this, nonetheless, All Saints Day or All Hallows Day was a major occasion within the Catholic Church. And as such, this was one of the days where they would have a lot of people coming to these cathedrals and these churches, and they would bring out what they call the relics and display them for whoever came there. They could be there with the relics, see the relics of that particular church. And because of this, this is why Protestants also have a connection with October 31st and or Halloween, everyone will say it, because it was on this date, October 31st, that Martin Luther actually posted his 95 thesis or nailed it on the door of the cathedral where he is at. And he most likely did this because he knew the next day was going to be All Saints Day. There's going to be a lot of people there, so there would be more of a chance of lots of people seeing these 95 theses. You'll get more public exposure than if he just did it on a, you know, non-high day, I guess you could say. So this is kind of the connection that Protestants have with Halloween, sort of. It doesn't draw directly from Samhain or anything like that, but it is connected in an interesting sort of way, or at least so I think. This is also why some people have tried to rebrand Halloween into what they call Reformation Day. You may have heard that before. But moving on in history, let's look at Halloween just a little bit in American history as well. When the beginning of American tradition as far as Halloween goes, Halloween was originally very limited in America due to the Protestant beliefs, right? Protestants really knew the connection of Halloween to satanic or pagan origins and really didn't want it. However, due to various immigration into America, because America is very well known for immigration, and when people immigrate, they bring their culture and their beliefs with them. And because of this immigration to America, various things were immigrated with the immigrants, and one of these things was Halloween. So therefore, it began to spread more and more within America. And it was in the second half of the 19th century, during what they refer to as the potato famine over in Ireland, a lot of Irish from Celtic backgrounds, they just flooded into America. And they, of course, like I said, brought their culture and their beliefs with them, increasing more and more this tradition of Halloween or Samhain. But what about some of the traditions that we know? Surely it can't be all bad, right? I mean, it has pagan roots, it has human sacrifice. Surely it can't all be bad, though, right? Well, Let's look, start looking at this some more of the various traditions that go along with Halloween. So first of all, 
one of the things most commonly associated with Halloween is, of course, the jack-o'-lantern. And the jack-o'-lantern comes from an Irish myth about someone they call uh, Tricky Jack. And the story goes that Tricky Jack was lazy and he was poor, but he was very shrewd. And he was out drinking one night and he was drinking with this unknown man. And Jack comes out to find out this man he's been drinking with is actually the devil. And when his bar tab comes due, Jack convinces the devil, since he got him into this whole drinking spot, to turn into a coin so they could pay his bill. Well, the devil agrees, and he turns into a coin. Well, being shrewd, Jack takes the coin, etches a cross on one side of the coin, so the devil can't turn back into the devil. He has to remain this coin. But Jack strikes, or the devil strikes up a deal with Jack, and he takes off the cross from the other side of the coin, and the devil comes in back in his regular form, right? But he leaves Jack alone because they because of the deal they had come to. Well, later on, Jack is in somewhere in his travels and he sees this fruit tree, but being as lazy as he is, he doesn't want to go up there and get the fruit. So he convinces the devil to go get him a fruit. And once the devil got into the tree, Jack again goes to the bark down at the base, scratches in a cross, and this prevents the devil from coming down. Now, once again, the devil strikes up a deal with Jack that he won't, if he'll, if Jack will let him down, that he won't take his soul into hell. So Jack agrees, and he takes off the cross from the base of the tree, and they both go about their own ways. So now Jack thinks he is safe from going to hell now. So a little bit later, Jack dies. But when he gets to heaven, he's rejected from heaven because of this whole deal compact with the devil he's made. So he's not allowed in heaven. So therefore, he's sent to hell. But because the devils agreed not to take his soul or to put him in hell, then Jack had, can't be in hell either. So Jack is therefore kicked out of hell by the devil. And on his way out, it said that Jack was stumbling around in the dark, trying to find his way out, and he couldn't do it. So the devil gave him an ember from the depths of hell, from the flames of hell, that would never stop burning, right? So that Jack could have some light to see his way out of hell back to the land of the living. But this ember was burning his hands, so he would need to carry it in something. And as it so happens, he found a turnip. And he took this turnip and he carved it out, put the ember inside the turnip, and used that as sort of a lantern to guide his way out of hell back into the living, where he would be doomed to wander the land of the living forever. And this is where we actually get the origin of jack-o'-lanterns from the word Stingy Jack and the lantern he made out of the turnip. Turnip was the original jack-o'-lantern, not pumpkins. It was only later on that people started using pumpkins for jack-o'-lanterns that we know today. And here is an image, crazy as it may seem, but this is what a carved out turnip looks like as a jack-o'-lantern, the original type of jack-o'-lantern. Now imagine that looking at you on Halloween, lit up on someone's front porch. But like I said, that was the original jack-o'-lantern. And then later on, people found out it was probably easier to, you know, hollow out a pumpkin and carve it out than it would be a turnip. But 
anyways, moving on, that's the history of jack-o'-lanterns and where they come from, from a more a satanic myth kind of thing, deals with the devil and whatnot. But now, what about costumes and more on trick-or-treating? Well, during some of the Celtic or Druidic celebrations of Samhain, like I said earlier, the villagers and people of the Celtic paganism would cover themselves or dress themselves in costumes or disguises made out of animal skins at the time. There wasn't a Walmart back then, right? So they had to do what they did, do what they could or what they had to work with. They used animal skins. And they would use this to not only blend in with the walking spirits that were around that night, but also to drive away some of them. Some of them, you know, some of these costumes you see come back from those dates where they would be extremely scary to try to drive away these evil spirits or other spirits. But also, they weren't just making costumes to blend in. They would also take food, banquet tables, and they would put food out on these banquet tables so that they would, you know, please the spirits. You know, fill their stomach up. Maybe they'll be happier and not mess with us or kill us or harm us in some way. Yeah, they left food out for them. Kind of like they do with Santa Claus nowadays. But it was only in later centuries that people began dressing as things like ghosts or demons or other evil, malevolent creatures. And also performing different tricks or antics in exchange for food and drink. And this is kind of where the phrase, anyways, trick-or-treating kind of comes from. On the night of Halloween, even to this day, there's more vandalism, there's more robberies and burglaries, stuff like that. I mean, ask cops, it kind of increases on Halloween night. And because of all this mischief that goes on, on Halloween night especially. But this was particularly bad back in the early 20th century. And got so bad that people started looking for ways to kind of curtail this and history channel had a really good documentary on this talking about in the early 20th century about how bad things got and what people actually did and some of the people especially young men and stuff would take bars of soap and grease the rail lines and stuff so that the trolley cars and rail cars couldn't stop and they would actually derail and would actually injure and kill people because of this well, in trying to find a way to curtail all these tricks and antics that were going on on the night of Halloween, they kind of came up with things to, you know, get people to do not so bad. And when people would come up uh, to their house or stuff, you they would tell them, do you want a trick or do you want a treat or you give us a treat? And this is where the term trick or treating kind of came from, trying to curtail this. So they would give them a treat in order to prevent the trick. Because at one time, like I said, it was very, very bad. And the history of trick-or-treating states that poor people would visit the house of wealthier families and receive pastries called soul cakes, which we've already kind of went over a little bit, in exchange for a promise to pray for the souls of the homeowners' dead relatives. Known as souling, the practice was later taken up by children who would go from door-to-door -door asking for gifts such as food, money, and even alcohol or ale. Now, Moving on to the more of the mischievous kind of things, in the Bay City Times, 1928, they state that tricks or treats 
The peaceful citizens lived in terror of the time each evening when they should be summoned to their front doors to hear the fatal ultimatum, tricks or treats, uttered in a merciless tone by some small child who clutched in one grubby fist a small chunk of soap capable of eliminating the transparency from any number of windows. Now, this is one of the more... Uh, kind of white bread trick, I guess. You take the soap, kind of smear it all over the windows, and you couldn't see out the window, right? Until you washed it off. But they would actually do this. They would go up to people's houses, and they would ask them if they wanted a trick or a treat, or give them a treat. And a lot of times, you know, to prevent mischief, people would give them a treat. So this is kind of where some of the history on trick-or-treating, there's more to be found if you'd like to do your own research. This could be an entire teaching just on trick-or-treating, but this is going to be an all-encompassing thing about Halloween. Now, moving on, what about witches, right? We all know that the Bible speaks against witches, but how does it play otherwise? Well, witches have actually been around for eons, right? Or what they say, eons anyways. And we're often thought to have mystical powers, magic powers, right? Partly because of the connection to Satan or the spirit world. Because we all know that witches like, or real witches anyways, think they have a connection to the spirit world, to souls and spirits, and all this comes from demons and Satan himself. But their most notorious gatherings were thought to happen during the two major season changes, this would be the equinoxes on April 30th and, of course, April 31st. This is what we know as Halloween today or how it originated with the Celtic Paganism Festival of Samhain. But all this history and stuff is really interesting for people like me who like to know more about this stuff. But at the end of the day... As believers, as followers of Yeshua, as followers of our Messiah who wish to worship and honor our Creator, Yahweh, we have to base everything that we believe and everything we do and all our doctrines on Scripture. So now let's turn and take a look at some of the scriptural bases for Halloween itself. So when we go to look at Halloween in Scripture, the very first verse that we can think of that talks about, specifically anyways, the holiday of um, Halloween, as we know it today, is going to be nothing. You don't find the holiday of Halloween in Scripture. You don't find Halloween celebrated by the righteous. You don't even find a mention of it celebrated by the unrighteous. Now, you do find celebration of Christmas celebrated by the unrighteous back in Jeremiah, but you don't find Halloween. And this is kind of perplexing as I've thought about it over the years. When Roman Catholics or Catholicism brought in new pagan concepts to Christianity, as it were at the time, they would kind of have some rationality for it. But as far as Halloween goes, there's really not much rationality that goes into it as far as a biblical basis goes. I mean, they of course, they did the All Saints Day and then the All Hallows Evening. That was stuff that they created. It doesn't come from Scripture. I mean, you were thinking if you were going to try and rationalize this pagan thing to get other people to kind of accept it as a biblical thing, 
You might come up with something like in Matthew 27 when Yeshua dies and is raised from the dead. But that's not it. They don't use that rationality. You could also say, well, maybe it's because of the end times when all the dead and Messiah, the true believers, will rise first or the resurrection of the dead, right? That's not used either. We could also try and rationalize it with, you know, Saul speaking with the dead prophet Samuel back then. They don't use that either. Or you could also use things like all the people who were raised from the dead, like Lazarus. But that rationality is not used either. Because when you get down to it and you start looking in Scripture and you start kind of trying to study this out, you realize that Scripture doesn't have a Feast of the Dead or a Day of the Dead. That's totally foreign and contrary to Scripture. Because as it said in Ecclesiastes, it says, For the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not. Nor do, they have, nor do they have any more reward, for their remembrance is forgotten. When they're dead, they're dead, right? And we see the next two says, For David did not ascend into the heavens. So David is sitting there in the grave. He's not getting up and wandering around on October 31st. He doesn't know the date. He has no remembrance. He's just dead. Because scripture has no day of the dead, no festival of the dead, right? Now we look at 2 Corinthians 6, and it says, Do not become unevenly yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness and lawlessness? And what fellowship has light with darkness? Right? And we think of scripture and Yeshua as the light, right? But Halloween... And Samhain is a celebration of darkness and death. And it says, what fellowship has light with darkness? And what agreement has Messiah with Belial, or Baal, or another name for Satan? What agreement has Messiah with Satan? None. And we shouldn't either. Not with satanic festivals or holidays. Nothing satanic or pagan. Because everything pagan is satanic. Everything pagan comes from Satan himself in one way or another, as a replacement for the reality of Christianity. It says, Or what part does a believer have with an unbeliever? And what union has a dwelling place of Elohim with idols? For you are a dwelling place of the living Elohim, as Elohim has said, I shall dwell in them and walk among them, and I shall be their Elohim, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says Yahweh, and do not touch which is what is unclean, and I shall receive you. Scripture tells us to be in the world, but not of the world. And here we can say, sorry, here we can see the Scripture is telling us to come out of them, to come out of their religion, to come out of their practices, which includes things like Halloween and Samhain, one and the same anyways. Then we look at 1 Corinthians 10, and it says, You are not able to drink the cup of the master and the cup of demons. You are not able to partake of the table of the master and of the table of demons. How can you do what Master Yeshua said to do and also do demonic pagan things like Samhain or Halloween? You can't. 1 Corinthians says so. 
You're not able to drink of the cup of the master and of the cup of demons. You're not able to partake of the table of the master and of the table of demons. You can't both do Christ things or messianic things and also demonic things. It doesn't mix. Jeremiah 10 says, Thus said Yahweh, Do not learn the way of the nations, and do not be awed by the signs of the heavens, for the nations are awed by them. Plain speak, plain and direct and specific. It says, do not learn the way of the nations. That would include things like pagan rituals and festivals, like Samhain, like Halloween. It says, do not learn them. Yahweh wants us to learn His way, the ways of Scripture coming from His Word, not the pagan ways. Now let's look at Deuteronomy 12. When Yahweh your Elohim does cut off from before you the nations which you go to dispossess, and you dispossess them and dwell in their land, guard yourself that you are not ensnared to follow them after they are destroyed from before you, and that you do not inquire about their mighty ones, that you do not inquire about their gods, saying, How did these nations serve their gods? And let me do so too. We know that the Celts, the Druids, served their gods through Samhain. Or one of the ways they served their gods was through Samhain, which we know as Halloween. Right? We're told here, specifically, do not learn their ways and do not say, how can I do the same? We should not be doing that. Leviticus 18. Do not do as they do in the land of Mitzrayim, or Egypt, where you dwelt. And do not do as they do in the land of Canaan. Where I am bringing you, and do not walk in their laws. Again, do not do after the ways of the nations, or the ways of the pagans. Do as Yahweh says to in his word. Learn the ways of Yahweh, not the ways of pagans. Yeshua says in Matthew 7, By their fruits you shall know them. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every tree yields good fruit, but a rotten tree yields wicked fruit. A good tree is unable to yield wicked fruit, and a rotten tree to yield good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then, by their fruits you shall know them. Now we've always taken this to mean as relating to people, and it does. This has also come to relate to traditions and holidays and things like that too. And when it comes to pagan satanic things that's going to be what he's referring to here as thorn bushes and he's asking do you get grapes from thorn bushes do you get good things from satanic practices and of course it's rhetorical no you don't you don't get good things from satanic practices you don't get grapes from thorn bushes and all the same you don't get good things from the thorn bush we call Samhain or Halloween Right? So therefore, you shall know them by their fruits. And the fruit of Samhain, the fruit of animal and human sacrifices, is not good. The fruit of celebrating darkness, celebrating death, is not good. You shall know them by their fruits. That's the words of our Messiah. Then in 2 Corinthians 6, and what agreement has Messiah with Belial, right? 
Or what accord has Christ with Belial or Baal or Satan? What harmony can there be between the Messiah and Satan? None. What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Very little of anything. And all the same, what harmony is there between Scripture and a pagan festival like Halloween? None. We can slap all the Jesus stickers we want to on it. Still going to be that thorn bush. Still going to be that thistle. Still not going to have good fruit. Still not going to be from Scripture. That's just the way it is. There is no accord. There is no harmony. There is no agreement with the things of God and the things of Satan. The two opposite things. And they cannot co-mingle. You can call it whatever you want to. Call it a trunk retreat to keep people, you know, off the streets and going from to strangers' houses. Which is kind of odd in itself because we teach our kids, you know, don't take candy from strangers. But one night a year on Halloween when we celebrate the dead, we say go to strangers and take candy from them. And isn't that kind of backwards? And then knowing that it's a pagan holiday, we have actual churches putting on Halloween parties, Halloween festivals, having their trunk or treat, celebrating these pagan customs, these pagan traditions. I mean, you just, like Yeshua said, you don't get good things from thorn bushes. You don't get good things from thistles. And religiously speaking, Halloween and Samhain is a thorn bush. It's a thistle, right? It's a celebration of the dead, and that's something that, you know, Scripture does not do. Scripture doesn't celebrate death. Death is not a good thing. Nothing to be celebrated that I can tell from Scripture. If I'm wrong, let me know down in the comments. Send me an email. But this is not something, celebration of death is not something associated with Scripture. In fact, Scripture states, Yahweh himself says in Proverbs, But he who sins against me injures himself. All who hate me love death. So again, what agreement is there between Messiah and Satan? Between the ways of God and the ways of Satan? If you hate Yahweh, then you love death. Conversely, if you love death, if you celebrate death, wouldn't that also be hating Yahweh and his word? Something to think about, right? Also, let's look at the uh, book of Revelation, too, which many of you may know. And I looked and saw a green horse, sometimes called a pale horse. And he who sat on it had the name Death, and Sheol, or Hell, or Hades, followed with him. And authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, and with hunger, and with death, and by the beast of the earth. So again, death is not really something that's celebrated in Scripture. Death is portrayed as a bad thing, not something to throw a big festival to. This is not a scriptural thing. And finally, I'd like to leave you with this thought here from Joshua. And now, fear Yahweh, serve him in perfection and in truth. And put away the mighty ones, which your fathers served beyond the river and in Mitzrayim, and serve Yahweh. 
And if it seems evil in your eyes to serve Yahweh, choose for yourself this day whom you are going to serve, whether the mighty ones which your fathers served that were beyond the river, or the mighty ones of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But I and my house, we serve Yahweh. Are you serving the way of demons? Are you serving the word of God? Are you serving old, occult, pagan, satanic practices like Samhain and Halloween? Or are you serving Yahweh in the word of God? As for me and my house, we serve Yahweh and his word. Now, in conclusion, we see that Halloween is definitely of pagan origin. Halloween is also contrary to Scripture. And Scripture actually teaches against pagan practices such as Halloween. And that's just the God-honest truth. All this information was presented to you so that you could be more educated and so that you can make your own decision. At the end of times, I'm not going to sit and answer for what you did. You will sit and answer for what you did. It's your decision as to what you think and believe and do about this holiday of Halloween. What are you going to do? With all the information you have about it, now that you know more about it, how is the Holy Spirit directing you now? Is it directing you to celebrate death, darkness, old pagan, satanic, demonic rituals? Or is the Holy Spirit directing you to turn away from all that and turn back to the word of Yahweh, serve Yahweh? That's a decision that you'll have to make for you and your family. This is on you, your decision. Whatever decision you make, is yours. So pray on it. Think about it long and hard. But please, don't do it out of some self-serving notion. Do it according to the Word of God. Don't do it, you know, don't make a decision based on whether or not you think the kids are cute in costumes or you think it's for the kids. It's much bigger than kids. This is about Scripture and about serving Yahweh much bigger than you and I, even. So think about it. Like I said, your decision is yours, not mine. And with that, I want to thank you for joining Well, hope you enjoyed that drosh tonight. Hope you got something out of it. And if you happen to miss anything that was said during the drosh, you can always go back and check our website starting tomorrow morning and we'll have a new post up concerning this live stream and this drosh. There you can rewatch the entire live stream video which by that point has been recorded obviously. But more importantly you'll be able to go through each of those drosh slides on your own and you can go through at your own pace. You can stop at a certain slide if you happen to miss something or need more time to write it down. It just makes it so much more convenient and easier that way, especially for those of us who like to take notes or review stuff that we have went over before. So in just a moment, we'll be doing the Aaronic Benediction. If you have anyone there with you that you would like to have gathered near you while we do that, then go ahead and start gathering them together. But just one more time, we would like to 
remind you to go down below, leave us a comment, anything you like, because we always love hearing from you. And we even love hearing through email as well. And special thanks to all of you who have contacted us through email. We really do enjoy reading all those correspondences and we will get to your email as we get time and get through the other ones that came before yours. But just to let you know that we do love hearing from you, whether it's in the comments down below or through our email. Before you leave down there, make sure you also hit that subscribe button and ring the bell to be notified every time we go live or upload an on-demand video. Also hit that like button and hit the share button as well. And just one more reminder to go check us out on uh, Reddit. You can check us out at our subreddit, and that is Messianix with an S. Messianix with an S. Just do a search on Reddit, and you'll be able to find us. Or go to GodHonestTruth.com, and you can find the link from there as well. So let's go ahead and get into our Aaronic Benediction. Yivarekeke Yahweh, Vayishmarecha. Yair Yahweh Penavelecha, Vihunecha. Yisah Yahweh, Penavelecha. Vayasim Lecha, Shalom. May Yahweh bless you and guard you. May Yahweh make his face shed light upon you and be gracious unto you. May Yahweh lift up his face unto you and give you peace. Once again, we hope that you enjoyed tonight's live stream and tonight's drosh on Halloween. We hope you have a good and restful Shabbat. We hope this next upcoming week is filled with good food, good family, good fortunes, good health, good spirits. And until we meet again next time, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Shabbat Shalom and Shavuot Tov.